Um, we good? Okay. Uh, if you got your Bibles, um, if you want to open up, we're going to be in the book of Second Corinthians. Um, I was I was talking to Justin today, and I was going to do something totally different. Um, and I, to be honest with you, man, I was I was going to preach a message I'd already preached before, um, but I had this weird drawing away from it, and I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do or what the Lord wanted me to do. So I kind of feel like we've navigated to that um, book of Second Corinthians, uh, chapter number twelve. We're going to be reading some some super popular scripture, um, very well known. This story um, is, we're talking about Paul and his thorn in the flesh. Um, and man, it's super well known, and I say this a lot, but don't let the fact that you've heard this before go just, you know, don't, don't tune it out, because I, I hope, man, through the Lord, that we're going to get to see something different tonight. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to start reading in verse 7. The Bible says, And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations that was given to me, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And finally, right here in verse 10, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you tonight, God, and Lord, I know, Lord, that standing up here, God, I'm unworthy. Lord, I, I'm, I am nothing but a carnal creature, God, and I know that I'm unworthy to be up here, Lord, but I pray that through the power of your word, God, that you, your spirit would move upon us tonight, God, and that you would receive all glory from tonight, God. I, I, I thank you, Lord, for those that are faithful to be here tonight. God, I pray that you would just move in a special way tonight, God. I pray that you would help us. Uh, take your word tonight, God, and make an application of it to our lives that when we leave here, Lord, that we've been recharged and that we're ready to go back out into the mission field, God, and do the ministry um, and that we're ready, Lord, for whatever the path holds for for the rest of this week. God, I pray that you would continue to touch Dylan and Tori. Lord, I pray that God, in just a, a supernatural way, Lord, that you would give him healing, God, and give him strength and, and help Tori, Lord, as she's Going through all this, Lord, um, with Dylan, Lord, and on top of, of, of being pregnant, God, I pray that you would just help and touch and just bless that whole situation. And I pray, God, that you would make yourself known in it. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so, so this is fairly common. Um, a lot of us, I'm sure, have probably heard this, but one thing I figured out to, to really understand the context that verses 7 through 10 are written in, we've got to go back a chapter. Um, and what we need to do is we're going to go back to chapter 11, and we're going to read the first five verses. Um, if you don't want to turn, it is on the screen, but it's just a chapter back. Um, chapter 2 Corinthians 11, verse 1 says, Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused to you one husband, that I may present you a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, or subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted for the simplicity that is in Christ. So right here, man, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and, and he's already set the stage in the last ten chapters, and he's walking through these things here. But right here, this verbiage, um, 
verse 3, but I fear lest by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. So your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that, in Christ, that is in Christ. So Paul is already telling them, man, I have a fear that the same way that Eve was, Eve was corrupted by how Satan is so subtle and how it's so easy for him to paint this picture, I'm afraid that you're being corrupted the same way. And if we look at verse 4, it says, For if he that cometh preacheth another, preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. And then verse 5, For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles. Now, what Paul is talking about, Paul is talking about these apostles and that, that are that are exalting themselves over God. These apostles that are lifting their name higher than they are lifting the name of Christ. Um, and we see that Paul equates this the same thing. So in, in, in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 20 it says, For you suffer if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face. Man, all of these things that Paul's li listing, all these things that, you know, really terrible things that could happen to you or that a man could do, Paul is listing exalting yourself in these. So Paul is putting a heavy weight on exalting ourselves over Christ, and, and he's showing us what our place should be, you know, as a believer and as a Christian. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Deuteronomy 8.14 says, Then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. One more right here, 1 Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6. Not a novice, left, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Man, all of these verses are talking about the same thing, and they're talking about a false teacher. All of these verses are correlating... Man, if you've got somebody that's coming into your church, or if you've got somebody that's coming into the ministry and they're doing these things, that person is a false teacher. And man, there is a, there's a super heavy weight, and there's a big emphasis on how important it is to not have those people in the church. Because we talked Sunday about uh, the unity of the spirit of peace. Man, as the body of Christ and as a local church, we're called to be unified under the same spirit. We're called to be unified under the same mind. Galatians chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 8, says, But though we or an angel from heaven preach another gospel unto you than that which we preached unto you, let him be accursed. He said, so though we, so if, if we come back and we start preaching a different Jesus, or if an angel comes to start preaching a different Jesus, whoever comes, if they're preaching a different Jesus than we've preached to you, he says, let him be accursed. And it's so important that in verse number 9 in Galatians 1, he doubles back and he said, as we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you that ye have received, let him be accursed. So if any man preaches anything other than Jesus, that man is a false teacher. Now, the hard thing about that in, in today's age, not hard for a Christian, but hard for the world, is that the world doesn't see that there's only one way. Right? The world and the people that we interact with on a daily basis, you know, most, more times than not, those people do not see the Word of God as a final authority. 
they're not seeing the, the way that we've constructed and the way that we live our life according to the Word of God as something that's important and something that's objective. Uh, John 14, verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father by, uh, but by me. Now, Paul is, is it, it, in just a few words, Paul is laying down how important it is that we're not exalting ourselves over Christ and that the people in leadership and in ministry over us are not exalting themselves over Christ. In not so many words, he is trying to lay it out as simple as he can. So now that we kind of understand who he's talking to and where we're coming from, let's jump back to 2 Corinthians 12. Now, verse 7 says, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So, Paul's saying, so that I'm not putting myself above God and above Christ, I have a thorn in the flesh, or as, as he says, the messenger of Satan. Now, Paul is no stranger to affliction. Paul is not somebody who has not endured affliction and has not endured suffering for Christ. If you, if you look, I believe it's up on the screen, 2 Corinthians um, chapter 11, verse 23, just right before this. Man, it's not a coincidence that all of these verses are, are, are put right here together. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23 says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and day have I been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen. In perils of the city, in perils of the wilderness, in perils of the sea, in, uh, in perils among false brethren. Verse 27 says, In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Verse 29 says, Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is offended, and I burn not? Verse 30, man, he, he sums it all up right here. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things that con which concern mine infirmities. Paul's listing all these things that he's gone through in his missionary journeys and, and all the sufferings that he's went through, but Paul's not doing it to boast himself. Paul's not doing it to put himself on a pedestal saying, hey, look at what I've done. No, Paul's saying, look, you have these guys that are coming in there, and they're lifting themselves up. But look, if anybody's going to be lifting themselves up, I, I, this is everything that, that's happened to me. You have these guys coming in here, and they're putting themselves on a pedestal, but do you think that they've suffered and I've not suffered? And man, what Paul is trying to do is trying to distinguish to them the importance of, of where their affection is going to Christ. Now, one really, one really strange and cool thing about the way Paul lays this out in, in, in chapter 12 is this is the only time out of all of, of Paul's suffering and all of Paul's affliction and everything that he's been through, this is the only time that he says he's pursued God over his affliction. Um, he says in, in, let's see right here, in, in, in chapter number 12, he says in verse, let's, let's go back to it right here. Man, I'm, I've, I've done lost it right here. Here we go. 
So chapter 12, verse 8 says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it may depart from me. So man, this is the only time that we see in Scripture that Paul has, gone to God, has, has went to the Lord, and he's asking him to do something about this. And, and Paul said that he's went to him three times. Now, chances are that whatever Paul's thorn in the flesh was, and, and there's a lot of people that, that make a lot of guesses and assumptions of, of what it was, but whatever it must be, it must have been very significant. And it must have been a very heavy load to carry, whether it was physical, whether it was um, spiritual, whether it was a, a, a temptation that he faced, whatever it was, it must have been super significant in the life of Paul. Now, that brings me to a, a practical, application, uh, practical application question that I want to ask you. Do you have something significant that you sought the Lord on? Do you have something that, that's very significant in your life that you've gone to God over and over and over again, and you've asked God, Lord, I, I need you to do something right here. I need you to do something here because I cannot do anything in this situation. And what we see in the next verses right here in, in verse 9 is that God answers Paul regarding his inquiries. Verse 9 says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, Paul reminds us all throughout Scripture, he reminds us here and in different places in Scripture that, that regardless of the affliction and the suffering that we're going through, that Christ is always enough. Amen? Regardless of the circumstances, of, of how hard it is, regardless of how dangerous it is, Christ is always enough. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything uh, uh, as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9 says, Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. Why? Why be thou not dismayed? For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Matthew chapter 10, verse 19 says, But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak. For it shall be given you in the same hour that ye shall speak. For it is not that ye speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. So man, Jesus right here in Matthew 10 is laying out, look, when you go up to speak, when you, when, when, when you approach people and you're doing this, don't give thought to what you're going to say because the Spirit of God will tell you what to say. Because the sufficiency that you're doing this in, the way that you're going and you're talking and you're witnessing and you're evangelizing to people, the ability to do that is not in ourselves. He's saying the ability to do that is in the sufficiency of Christ. Luke 21 verse 15 says, For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. Man, I remember growing up, my grandmother's favorite verse to quote, uh, regardless of the situation. Uh, I, I remember it is, and, and uh, looking back now, I think she paraphrased, but if God be for me, who can be against me? I remember hearing that at a very early, very early age, and as a kid, you know, it didn't necessarily mean a lot to me, but now that I'm getting older, it, it, it's, it's, it's funny how the simple things turn out to mean so much more, because man, there's so much truth in that. Just as Paul is going to God, it said that he's went to God three times, asking God to remove this thorn in the flesh, and he said he went to him three times, and what did God say? He said, my grace is sufficient for thee, regardless of the circumstance, his grace is sufficient. First uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, 
There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Man's sufficiency in Christ can take on some different looks. You know, as, as a man in, in 2023, really as, as just a human being in 2023, man, we have access to so many things on our phones, good and bad. We have access, you know, you know they say, and I don't, I don't know if there's any truth to it, but um, the technology that we have on our phones was more than they had when NASA sent a, uh, the space shuttle to the moon in 1969. Like, blows my mind if it's true. I, I think it's true. I'm sure it's true. But the crazy thing is, is that we have access to so much and so much good, but also so much bad. And, and that verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there hath no temptation uh, taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Man, that's God's grace being sufficient. That is who God is being sufficient in our lives, because he knows that we're up against sin, we're up against temptation, and he's made a way out of it. And that's just another way of God showing him being sufficient in our lives. Now, suffering is certain. Another question I, I want to ask you is, how is our suffering different from a non-believer? Um, I, um, I watch a lot of uh, apologetic videos and, and, and stuff, and I probably say that every time I get up here, but there's this guy that I watch. Um, his name is Cliff, and he teaches and, and preaches at a university and when he's not in class, he's outside on the campus, and he's just talking to students. And um, I think I actually mentioned a, a different story like this Sunday. But he was talking to, to this lady. She was asking the question, you know, he, he's telling her that, you know, we have hope in Christ. We have hope through him. And she asked him, she said, well, does having hope or being saved, does that get rid of suffering? He said, no, suffering is certain, regardless of whether you are saved or not. You're still going to suffer in life. We're still carnal human. We're, we're still frail. We are still dust, uh, dirt from the ground. But the thing is, is how, how is our hope different? The, the, I remember this verse, you should be on all the church tracks. Uh, Hebrews 6, verse 19 says, Which hope we have as an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth in, uh, which, entereth into that within the veil. Man, the hope that we have in Christ, the hope that we have in God is sure. And regardless of, man, if I'm going to go through life and I'm going to, if, if I'm going to experience hardships and tribulations and I'm going to go through trials and there's going to be things that happen, there, there's no doubt in my life that, man, I'm going to face trials and that you're going to face trials and you're going to face tribulations and things are going to happen that, that ultimately will either bring us to God, will either bring us closer to God, or we're going to harden our heart toward God through them. But through that, man, if I'm going to go through sufferings, and if I'm going to go through tribulations, and I'm going to go through trials, man, I would rather have somebody there with me. Amen? If I'm going to go through something like that, there's no doubt in my mind that it would be a lot easier having somebody there with you, and especially when that somebody is the Son of God. Now, <coughs> if we look back at, at, at chapter 12, um, if we look at uh, the 
ending of verse 9. Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, this is what the world doesn't understand. And this is what the world, until they come to saving faith, is incapable of understanding. Matthew 5, verse 11 says, Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Man, it is easy to not have peace and to not have hope if we're dependent on ourselves. If we are, are getting up in the morning and we're going through life every day and we are trusting in ourself and we are trusting in our own ability, man, if I had to trust in myself to get things done, look, I, I, had, to, I had to travel yesterday. I was in New Orleans. I had to get up at 530 to make it to the airport. Who wants to take a guess that I didn't get up at 530? I mean, if you know me, you should be, you know, taking that bet all day long. No, I'm laying in bed, my alarm goes off at 5.30. I was like, man, I've got another 15 minutes. I always try to set my alarm earlier because I, I, I know I don't get up when I should. And 6.30 rolls around, I'm, I'm supposed to be on my way to the airport. I was like, oh, dadgummit. So I get up, now I'm in a rush, now I'm speaking. Man, I can't depend on myself in my flesh to do things, especially not when it comes to spiritual warfare, especially not when it comes to dealing with uh, affliction and dealing with suffering and things like that. Man, I'm going to let myself down every single time. And there is nothing in ourselves that we can hope and depend on. Now, if we are going to be glad, as Paul said here in verse 9, he says, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities. If we're going to be glad, we have to have a hope outside of us and outside of this life. Now, how can you approach being glad in the face of um, persecution? How can you take this approach to that? As saying, I'm going to be glad in the face of pure persecution and it be legitimate. How can it be real? Philippians chapter 1 verse 20 says, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for to me... To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, as hard and as difficult as it is, we have a hope that's not limited to this life. The hope that we have, man, in, in, in 2000, in, back in 2021, uh, my grandmother got sick, and um, it, was, it was crazy because she was slowly, slowly going downhill, and then one day... Um, she had to go to the hospital. Boom, she has congestive heart failure. Now they say she has dementia. Um, and it was just, man, it was, it felt like within a matter of two or three days, everything just, just full speed ahead went downhill. And the only hope that you can have in a situation like that is that this life is not all that there is. The only hope in that environment that you can have is that one day there's got to be something else. Because if we are only putting our faith here, if our faith is in this life, man, that it's all in vain. Every single bit of it. Verse 10 says, Therefore I take pleasure in affirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, and persecutions, and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, how can we live this verse out? The whole point of, of, of Scripture is to, uh, this is how God communicates to us, and how are we going to take this, and how are we going to apply it to our lives? 
Now, I've got two points. Um, if you notice, you don't have outlines. Um, I had an issue with a printer, and I needed to print my stuff because it was either print this out or bring a big honking laptop out here. So I, I figured that uh, we could we could kick it old school a little bit. Um, I've got two points that we're going to go through. And, and point number one, if we are going to take pleasure in things like infirmities and reproaches and persecutions, first thing that we have to do is that it must be for Christ's sake. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as, for God, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Man, when you read that, to me, in my mind, man, that's at first, that's a verse you have to think about. Because you think, man, God did what he did for us for love. Well, Ephesians 4.32 says he forgive us for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake, for the sacrifice that Christ made for us. And if Paul had been suffering for any other reason than for Christ's sake, everything that he had suffered would have been in vain. Uh, Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. You know, it would be a shame to continue to come to church every Sunday and every Wednesday. And if you're in discipleship or if you are ministering to somebody else, if we are not doing it for the glory of God, we are doing it in vain. I'm going to read this verse again, Psalm 127.1. It says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. Man, I do not want to get to the judgment seat and everything that I've done in my life burn up as wood, hay, and stubble. Because that's going to affect the way that we are able to give him glory after that. Man, in, when, when we're in the kingdom and... And we are, are laying our crowns at his feet. Man, it, it's, it's I, I, can, I would imagine that it's not going to be a great feeling to not have much to lay down at his feet. Because in that, man, I got, so Monday night, um, with Lee being in Ohio and, and everything that Dylan and Tori are going through, I, I, did the, um, I did the Foundations 2 class, and man, it was, it was fantastic. Um, it was slightly different than what we did, but Everything is going through the, the qualities of a, a biblical leader, man or woman. And, man, it all comes down to it has to be for God. Everything that we do, if, if we're doing this for ourselves, if we are doing this for, for man's applause or, or the glory that we get here, man, that's not going to last too long. The other thing is, this isn't the second point, this is just a, another sub-point. Is, is make sure that, that God's going to get glory out of, the, of, out of what you're suffering for. You know, there, there's a lot of Christians and there's a lot of people who, who want to take the role and act like a martyr. But man, there's some hills that aren't worth dying on. There are some things, there, there are some hills that Christians are dying on that God never asked them to die on those hills. And man, if we're going to suffer... I don't know about you, but for me, if I'm going to suffer and I'm going to face affliction, I would rather face affliction for something that God is going to get glory out of. If I'm going to suffer persecution, I'd rather suffer persecution for something that God is going to get glory out of. Um, I, I don't know why it's always a, a, a big a big talking point, and it's not just in the South. It's it's I watch, you know you watch videos of the church services and pastors talking everywhere you go. 
Um, there's musical preferences. Man, I almost called on you. I thought you had a question. Like, legitimately, you raised your hand, and I was like, yes, sir. Man, I, I like a little feedback. We can, we can, we'll, man, let's liven it up a little bit. I'm not, I'm not scared. No, that, that would have been great, because that, that would have been fantastic, uh, watching back just to, just to see. I, legitimately, I, I was like, man, he's got a question. All right, praise the Lord. Oh, yeah, pr yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, it, it's, for some reason, it's a big deal everywhere we go. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of those things I kind of got tired of talking about. But everywhere you go, music is a big deal for some reason. You know, well, what kind of songs do, does your church do? Do y'all do this? Do y'all do that? Man, that's not a hill that I'm willing to die on. I do not think that at the judgment seat... Man, Lord's not going to give you a pat on the back, man. Hey, I'm glad you kept singing them old songs right there. No, man, that's not a hill that I'm willing to die on because if I'm going to suffer and I'm going to face persecution for something, I want to face persecution. I want to face persecution from something that God is going to get ultimate glory out of. Man, if I'm going to suffer persecution, I hope it's suffering persecution for standing tall in the face of adversity. There are, there are people all around the globe, all around the world, different countries, mentioned this Sunday, that are, are meeting underground because they don't have the freedom to even open a Bible. If they do, it's jail, it's a death sentence. It, it, I mean, there, there are so many places that don't have freedom that even still Christians are still meeting and Christians are still doing things to bring God glory. Point number two, and then we're going to probably done the next 10 minutes. We're going to spend just a few minutes praying. Uh, point number two is to be weak so he can be strong. Now, when I say that, I don't mean, you know, I, I think as, as a Christian and as a believer, man, we should be a soldier. We should be, a, a, we should be somebody who is willing to pick up our cross and carry it. Man, you, we, we've got to be strong. But we need to let our flesh be weak so that God can be strong in that. We need to be weak. We need our flesh to be weak and be able to submit to him so that God can, can work and do the things that he's wanting to do in our life. And, and a great verse for this that we, we've already been talking about is verse 9. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Man, he doesn't say, man, my strength is pretty good. He said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities. Man, if we... if, if What's so crazy is, is we get so caught up from time to time, and everybody does this, regardless of whether we want to admit it or if we want to be honest about it. There's always situations in life where we buck up and we're like, no, I got this. I know how to handle this. I've went through this before. I know what to do. Well, man, God didn't, God didn't ask us to ever take the reins. God never asked us to say, hey, I, you may know what you're doing, but... I guess I'll let you take this one. No, that, that's not how it works. You know, we talk all the time about if we're going to worship God, that we need to worship God how uh, God is asked to be worshipped, and if, if we're going to pray to God, that we should pray how God is asked to be prayed to. Well, man, if, if, if we're going to be weak, we should be weak the way God's asked us to be weak. If we're going to let him move, we should let him move the way that he, he desires to move. And the only way that our life can prove that his grace is sufficient is by, by backing up out of the way and letting him do what he does. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 4 says, For though he was crucified through weakness, 
yet he lived by the power of God for also, for we also are weak in him, but we shall live by him, or we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Man, the only way, you know, there, there's a culture, we, we, we talked about this a little bit on Monday, the, the culture nowadays wants to attack um, the biblical role of a woman and the biblical role of what a man's supposed to be. Um, they're trying to, to, to feminize men. They're trying to emasculate women. And, and we looked Monday in Foundations 2 how Proverbs 31 is the biblical blueprint for what a woman is. And what the world doesn't understand is that by saying that God has a specific role that he's designed for women, it doesn't mean that, that she's inferior in any way. It means that that woman has a job. It, it, it means that, that Candace has a job that I will never be able to do. Man, I love my kids with all of my heart. I would, there, is, there is not a thing in this world that I wouldn't do for them. But let me tell you something. It don't matter how long I've been home. When I get home and, and I'm sitting on the couch, you know, super excited to see the kid. Rayleigh is getting to this stage to where when I walk into the door, she's running to the door. She's excited to see me. Brindley doesn't do that anymore. I walk in and she's like, what's up? Like, that's it. No movement, no excitement, nothing. And after about an hour, man, I get really overwhelmed. I love my children. But, man, I get super overwhelmed sometimes. Candace, Candace is a champ. Candace can be around the kids all day, but hey, I need you to give me two minutes. She'll take two minutes, come back in, man, she's rewired, ready to go. She has a different role than I do. And this culture wants to, to take something like that, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to cross the lines between what's weak and what's strong. But man, there, there is nothing wrong with humbling ourselves and being weak before the Lord, being weak in our flesh. Because, man, that you cannot convince me that being weak and letting God move just like this, being weak so that His grace can be sufficient, man, you can't tell me that that's not worshiping the Lord. You can't tell me that putting ourselves in a place of subjection right, like that to where we are just saying, God, I, I realize and, Lord, I admit that I cannot do this. So, Lord, what I'm going to do is I'm going to humble myself. And another thing we talked about Monday, it, it's, it was crazy to me how some of this tied so much together. But humility, you know, people look at humility and, and they want to say that, you know, well, man, I'm the most humble person I know. Well, we should have a conversation if that's how you, if, if that's what you believe. Um, humility is not about ranking yourself. Humility is about thinking nothing of yourself. It's not about how humble you are or how humble you aren't. It's about completely removing yourself we, we we got to talk about a servant and and the thing is about a servant is a servant never cares about being served a servant's role is to serve and to give a servant's role is is to do what the master has asked them to do and if our role is is to weaken our flesh if our if our role is to do what galatians 2 2 says for I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, not I. Man, if we're to crucify our flesh and if we're to make our flesh weak so that he can live, so that he can move in the bonds of, of, of this vessel, man, 
it should be our utmost desire and we should have the greatest joy in the world in doing it. Man, Paul is talking here about, about having joy. And, and man, in verse 10, he says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Man, I'm some strong words. I take pleasure. You're telling me you find joy in suffering? Wait, no, he doesn't find joy in suffering. At the very end of 10, you see, he finds joy. He, he takes pleasure in infirmities because they're for Christ's sake. Because he says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Or, or, or he says, then, then am I strong. He's not saying that, look, by doing this, this is a... This is a one-way card to build up and to be strong and God. No, 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 no. What he's doing is he's moving himself out of the way. What he's doing is completely backing up out of the equation and letting God do what only God can do. So, so what we're going to do, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all finished up here. Um, what we're going to do is, is we're just going to spend a, a, all that are willing. I'd like to get down the altar and just um, one, um, man, I, I hope that uh, through my blubbering mess, that, that this was in some way a help to you tonight. Um, we we are called. We cannot let God's grace be sufficient if we're not going through sufferings and if we're not going through infirmities and distresses and persecutions. You know, I I, I say this all the time. Um, I'm kind of like a a record that just repeats and repeats and repeats. This is not what it's about. This, the, when we meet here, this is just us recharging, refueling to go back out in the world. Out there, where we're supposed to go, that's where the persecutions, and that's where the distresses, and all these things, man, that we are supposed to just trust God through and weaken ourselves so he can be strong, it's all happening out there. And it sounds harsh, but with all the love in the world, man, I would encourage you that if you're not facing some sort of persecution as a Christian, Man, it, it may be time to reevaluate what we're doing. Because regardless of what you believe or what I believe, if Scripture speaks for itself, we don't have much longer before the Lord's coming back. We don't have much longer to evangelize and to reach the world. And it's not to lift ourselves up again. It's for Christ's sake. It's so that souls could be saved and Christ would receive the glory. So, man, if, if you are not going through some sort of persecution, and I, I don't mean just, man, I woke up today, man, I found one house shoe and I couldn't find the other one. Man, that's not persecution. We had a, I had a guy growing up who, who would talk about stuff like that. Man, you know, I, just, I don't know why God's giving this stuff to me. Man, what are you talking about? You just said your microwave didn't work. You're, that's not persecution. Like that's that the simplest things we 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 latch on to and we think the smallest inconvenience or suffering, man, that's not suffering. You go back through this list in, in, in 2 Corinthians uh, ten or ten or eleven, and you go through all these things that Paul went through, man, that's suffering. That's persecution. Who in here can say that they've been beaten with rods three times? For the glory of God. Now, obviously, we live in a much different culture, and we live in a different day and age than, than we used to, but I promise you there is a world out there that is trying to do everything they can to knock the walls of this church down. They may not be here as prominent yet, and you may not see them in everyday life, but I promise you with 100% certainty, there are people out there who their life's mission is to see that the church doesn't reach anybody. There are people out there whose heart has been so hardened to God that all they care about is making sure people do not hear the gospel. Man, you watch videos of, of these guys that are going out to, 
Um, I, I watched a video the other day, and this guy was street preaching. I don't know, I don't know his doctrine. I don't know exactly what. I just seen a clip of it, but it, this lady, she's a member of the LGBTQ, and and she walked up and and she's like, no, 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 you're in the gayberhood. You can't do this. She said, you're th- this is our area. You can't come down here and start preaching all this stuff. And he's like, well, no, that's why I should be down here. And the guy was trying to be super nice and super respectful. And, man, for 10 minutes straight, this woman just stood there and screamed. And, and that's, just a, that's just a small example. There are people all over this world who want to do, it, see, do everything they can to see God not get the glory. Because there's a lot of people that believe in God. And there's a lot of people out there that know that God is real. But for some reason or another, man, they're so mad and their heart is so hardened to God that they are willing to do everything they can to make sure that God does not, or, or they want to try to make sure that God doesn't get the glory to his name. So I, I want to encourage you as we pray, man, do some, do some evaluating in ourselves. Don't trust your heart. Don't trust what your heart's saying, man. The Bible says that the heart's desperately wicked. Man, go to God and ask God. Ask God to show us how he sees us. Because in his eyes, man, I, I promise you, if we humble ourselves and we get before the Lord, he's going to show us what he sees. And by having his heart, we're going to see the things that need to be changed. So, let, man, let, let's, let's, let's pray for that. Continue to pray for um, Tori and Dylan. Pray for Lee um, as he's finishing up. I believe he's headed back tomorrow. Um, him and Sarah, Joe, and Claire. Um, pray for them as they travel back. Um, all that are able, if y'all want to come down here and let's just pray for a few minutes and then um, whenever we get done, pray and y'all are dismissed. I want to just play just some, some, some music.